You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited about this week's show. I know I say that all the time, and I always mean it, but today I really, really mean it. We're going to have so much fun. I'm Deborah Eckerling. I specialize in pre-event planning workshops to help people get the most out of the events they attend. And every week, every Sunday night, I lead the Gold Chat Twitter chat. And then on Mondays, I bring in three friends to dive deep into the topic. And then on Thursday, it magically becomes an episode of the Dev Show podcast. So whether you're with us live or watching the replay or listening to us, we are glad you're here and to dive into this wonderful topic, which is virtual meetings, which we're talking about this pre-show. They're not going away. If you don't love it, learn how because it is the present and the future. And to dive into this topic, I've got such a great crew. I have Bobby Carlton, who is the founder of Innovation Women. And John Jen, founder of Engaging Virtual Meetings, and Robbie Samuels, who I we're talking before. We cannot believe that we just met like two weeks ago, thanks to Julie Fry, who was my guest on the show a couple weeks ago, because we're like this. And this is really the melding of the virtual IRL minds. And before we dive in, I would love for you all to introduce yourselves better because all I said was you're awesome, which although true, is probably not that helpful. So Bobby, let's start with you. All right. So hi, (laughs) I am the founder of Innovation Women. Innovation Women is an online speaker bureau. We're designed to directly connect event managers with awesome speakers who just happen to be women. However, you will note that today, everybody on this conversation is an Innovation Women member. And yes, that's John and Robbie, because while we might have a couple thousand really awesome female speakers, we also have a handful of really secure male allies. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, Deb. Yes, and we just so happen to have two of those wonderful male male allies on today's show. And I do need to give a a shout out and snaps to John because when I was designing this conversation, John's like, Deb, Bobby needs to be here. And I'm like, you are so right. So here we are. I'm so right. You're so right. You can't hear that now, can you, John? Well, at least here in this too, about, about being an ally, right, is bringing you more amazing women speakers just like you. So uh, little, I, I love to, I feel so secure <laughs> as, a, as a male uh, helping other people. Uh, I'm John Chen. I'm the author of a, gauge, a book called Engaging Virtual Meetings. How did I get here? I used to do a lot of team building, but that's a face-to-face business. And that sucks in this kind of environment. This is what my uh, March of 2020 looked like. But wait. I spent a lot of time online, 35 years. In fact, I even wrote this book, 2011. Uh, I'm sitting around my office with nothing to do. I don't make vaccines, but I can't make your virtual meeting better. 5,000 people take the class. Uh, publisher says, hey, you want to write a second book? I'm like, sure, let's do that. And in the cruelest joke, Deb, my publishers didn't know how long coronavirus was going to last. So they made me rush the book. Finished it in nine weeks. Came out October 2020. And hit the number one Amazon hot new release. And now I spend most of my time designing, producing, speaking at, and emceeing virtual meetings. And we were just talking pre-show about what a cruel joke that is. Because you know what? In case you didn't know, coronavirus is still happening. Okay, back to you, Deb. 
Yes, I believe they said it was going to last two weeks, two weeks of lockdown, and then everything was going to be fine. Almost three years ago, right? I'll leave that right there. Absolutely. Well, great to see you. And congrats on another wonderful Engaging Virtual Meetings Conference. It was so much fun. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Robbie, my new friend, welcome. Thank you so much. So my story is that prior to the pandemic, I'd spent over a decade teaching people how to network at conferences and events. Um, had a talk I did for over a decade, uh, Art of the Schmooze, launched a podcast on the Schmooze, wrote my first book about networking at conferences, a group coaching program, a TEDx talk, poised to be an overnight success, 10 years in the making. March 2020, no one needs any of the skills I've acquired so I was trying to figure out how to show up and add value. And similar to John, I decided one thing I knew how to do was bring people together. So I hosted my first virtual happy hour on March 13, 2020. Fast forward to November of 2020, and I already have a six-figure business based on all new revenue streams. So I'm a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer. I help organizations strategically bring their events online with less stress and greater participant engagement. Amazing. And... Like I said before, the fact that our our paths haven't actually crossed just really shows how important it is to keep the networks open because if you don't meet someone, wait a little bit longer. Eventually, sure. all the stars will align. So I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled. This is like the rock star panel of rock star panels of virtual events. But before we dive like into the tips and all that, I really want to cover the most important question is why? Why do you love them? What is it about virtual events other than the fact that you can do it from anywhere that you love? Bobby? Okay, so my goal with Innovation Women was to get more women on stage. And... When I first started Innovation Women about seven years ago, so many people said to me the same thing. Half of all the women that I invite to speak say no, and 90% of men say yes. And at first, I kind of dismissed this. And I'm like, well, that's an old wives' tale. That's a myth. Or that's your perception. But the more I talk to the more event managers, the more I realize there's actually some truth to it. And part of that is because Women are more likely to work for smaller companies. Women are more likely to be working part-time instead of full-time. And women are still more likely to be responsible for kids and home. So those are all reasons that women tend to turn down speaking engagements that take them out of the office, that take them away from home, that require travel, require hotels. All of these things kind of conspire to make basically keep women from the stage. And by the way, more women on stage, that's my mission. And there is one additional thing about that whole um, conspiracy theory there, uh, which is, I hate to say it, but women also turn down speaking engagements because they've got other speaking engagements. So in other words, you get on the circuit, you get popular, you get busy and people are like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? And you're like, I got to turn some things down. So you are willing to hit the road. If you have the capability to leave the office and do speaking engagements, you probably get so busy. You do have to turn things down. So virtual is where it's at as far as I'm concerned, especially with the Innovation Women mission. So in really short dev words, virtual is more user-friendly. Yeah, I can do three or four speaking engagements in a day where before, if I had to get in a plane, stay overnight, all of this stuff, it was a couple of days out of the office. That's hard if you're running a small business. It's hard no matter what you're doing because it's a hit in the pause button to do other things so you could do more of the things. I remember when I talk about setting uh, networking goals, I used to say one networking event a week is good. But since the pandemic, I'm like, you have to do at least three because three is the new one, right? Okay, nodding doesn't work well on the podcast, but I assure you, everybody is nodding. Um, John, why do you love not just virtual meetings, but the engaging kind? 
I'm completely distracted by three is the new one. Hold on a second. Let's just think about that for half a second. Three. Okay, are we done thinking? Okay, good. Three is the new one. <laughs> for me, right, in virtual, I imagine this world starting 35 years ago. And I've been trying for decades, Deborah, to bring people to this world saying, hey, look, people, we can do this. We can meet effectively, get real work done, right? Uh, save the travel and expenses and hotel and everything else and have dinner with our family and friends at the end of the day. And client after client came back and said, that's a great idea, John, but you got to fly to Orlando now. Right. And so it's finally here, right? The world caught up to this thing that I've been looking for for years. And so that's why I think virtual is better. And for all those who complain that, uh, that, um, you know, virtual will never be as good as in person. Okay. I understand. It's never going to be the same until the day that we have enough bandwidth to replace the in-person experience. Because the in-person experience gets hits all the other senses that virtual can't do right now, like olfactory, meaning smell, right? Or the intangibles of like being in the same space with each other. And there are some things that virtual can do better. So for instance, I was talking, remember Jacques, the party scientist? Yes. Yeah, so Jacques Martiquet is the party scientist, and him and I had this deep conversation where we talked about what if AI was actually here and does the things that could make our virtual meetings better, such as actually do, because we have all the data now, to measure how much everyone is either participating, not participating, and give you, like Robbie, the facilitator signals going, you haven't talked to Bobby yet. Bobby hasn't said a word yet. We got to find a way to include her if we want this to be a valuable and or engaging meeting. That would be cool. So anyway, so that's why I'm so passionate around virtual is number one, too. We just barely scratched the surface about what's good and what's right. We barely know, right? We're just slightly ahead of most other people. And there's something that's going to happen in the next 10 years that I think will be even more revolutionary than this whole pandemic. I agree. And I kind of can't wait. But I guess we have. Yeah, I know. Questioning face. Uh, Robbie, why do you love virtual so much? Well, I think that when people talk about what they're missing in an in-person event, they are forgetting that in-person events have constraints. It's constraints we never really looked at or examined or questioned. We had to travel to a specific location, which required us being all there at the same time. And therefore, we had to um, sometimes squeeze hundreds of sessions into two or three days. I've been to events with 42 concurrent sessions. You're not going to tell me that's good design when you have to walk, walk across a city like the size of Detroit, literally, to get from one set to another and you only have 22 minutes, you know? So like, I just think we did the best we could in person and we were like, this is great. This is great. Now we get to reimagine what we're trying to create. Starting with the end in mind, we get to say, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? How do we want people to feel, think, or do differently by the end of this time together? And then what tools, both analog and digital, are we going to use to accomplish that? And it's more inclusive. I have a lot of clients that are membership organizations. They're not going to go back because to in-person because they have way more people coming now. Um, I work with entrepreneurs who have global clients now in the global south. And if they were to go back to just having events somewhere in North America, those folks can't come. Alumni organizations did events that their global network could go to. And if they went back to just doing events in three cities, they are going to really miss out on the engagement that they had with their alumni. So I think that cost-wise, it can be done really effectively. It includes more people, but it can't be 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by ineffectual Q&A and no one moderating chat. That is so 2019. And I think that if you stick with that model, you're going to lose people. So I think in-person has to evolve to be meaningful enough for me to take the time to leave my house. And online has to do a better job of providing not just content, but also connection. I completely love and agree with everything you just said. The thing that flashed in front of my head when you were talking about the 42 concurrent sessions was South by Southwest. I mean, really. 
I think the last time I was there was probably 10 years ago. And it was before it was, it was already a mob scene. And then up into the pandemic, it just kept exploding. But it was the same thing. You couldn't do everything because time travel, not yet possible. But isn't that what virtual really is? It's like hitting pause on time travel and you get to be in all different cool places at once. What do we think? I mean, I think that's a great example. I was thinking also of the U.S. Social Forum I attended in Detroit, um, the National uh, Creating Change, LGBT Creating Change Conference, which is where there was 42 sessions. It grew from, you know, eight sessions, but over 20 years later, it was 42. I, I think that one of the ways I think about this is we can do more pre-live and in-person that's virtual and then have a smaller, more focused in-person for only some people. And then we can also have a follow-up conversation virtual. And now you have anywhere from a couple of months to six months of content, truly building community. Because I also know in the world of associations and conferences that there's a real drop-off in membership between years one and three. Year one, they show up, they they know it's going to be a lot and really overwhelming, but we put them through a cohort experience, first-timers orientation, right? Give them a special badge. All that extra stuff happens. Year two, none of that happens. And year two, they probably traveled further. And so they feel really kind of bad about their experience because they don't expect to not get invited for drinks or have no one to have lunch with. And so they don't come back for year three. This kind of model of introducing virtual components to even if there is a live will bring more people in from years one to year two to year three. If they come to year five, they're going to continue to come to this. They're going to build their life around this and their schedule around it. I just think this is an opportunity that even if you're excited about going back in person, there should still be some kind of live component, uh, live oh, virtual I, component. Deborah, can I hop on, on uh, over uh, here now? Of course. So I love what Robbie's saying, because I think pre-pandemic, we were talking about this too, about using virtual events, what has been the right place to create engagement uh, between the lives, right? We, we all know that a live can do great things, okay, when you do it right. By the way, you can screw that up too. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that too. Okay. But the, uh, you can use virtual for those touch points in between because we already do know that it is. It is a big time expense and a big resource expense to come in person. So why not do these virtuals? And what I love about this is I've been really studying this topic more and more, which is community, right? In the end, if you want to be successful, you need to build a community. And when you build that community, you got to look for all the different touch points for it. And so here, I'm going to give a shout out to actually one of the books I read, which was Belong by Radha Agaral. Uh, haven't tried it. Is go oh, hold on a sec. There we go. Go to Daybreaker, uh, daybreaker.com. And I finally got to meet her in person. But I went to many of her events in virtual. And a behind the scenes story, Deborah, why her, her virtual was so important to her because she was really against it. I hate to share this, but she said three of her friends committed suicide in the beginning of COVID. And she says, I got to do better, right? For these people I know who are in my community. So she created these amazing, amazing, some of the best uh, webinars ever. And she she built that community. And then I actually got to met her, meet her in person here in Seattle. And I've never been to her in person. Her in person is even better than I ever thought it would be. So community. Wow. So we're talking really good exception rather than rule. Amazing. Um, Bobby, do you have two cents or I'll put in my nickel? You know, I, it's, um, I'm an introvert. I noticed somebody mentioned that in the chat and yeah. I have to admit for me in-person conferences and events, especially when I was younger, were like, I've been thrown back to middle school. I don't know anybody. Nobody's going to invite me to sit next to them at lunchtime. It's going to be scary. And I think, you know, the older I got and the more comfortable I got, I don't know, maybe within my own skin, I was better. And it was also the fact that I, as Robbie said, I would go to events year after year after year. I mean, one of my other companies is an events company in Boston that held the same basic event every single month for 11 years. And, you know, you do that and you kind of get to know a community and you know everybody. And since, 
the pandemic, you know, I spent most of my time at home and I have started to go to some smaller in-person events locally. I don't know anybody anymore. Like seriously, whole communities have kind of swapped out and I am so uncomfortable. It's like, I don't know anybody. I have to start all over. It's hard. And, you know, I hate to say it, but on Zoom, we all have our names underneath our faces. And I can zip off to LinkedIn when nobody's looking and look them up and go, oh, I worked at the same company this person worked at 22 years ago. That's how I know them. I can't do that in person. No, it, it is hard to like sneak look people up on your phone when you're trying to have a conversation. So in the whole, yes, Robbie, please. Well, I just to follow up on this prior to the pandemic, the reason I was focusing on teaching people how to network at conferences is that we pour a lot of money, time and energy to get to these physical locations to have this experience and high on our list of why we do that is networking. I mean, this has actually been studied, but our follow through is dismal compared to our intentions. And, you know, that's because when event planners hear, we want more networking, we want more networking, they add time to unstructured networking opportunities. And most people are not like me and know how to work a room. And even me, I do best when I have something to offer really clearly to that space. I like to make myself a volunteer, even though I'm not one, in order to do this. But if people are like Bobby and they're new, it's like those people are not going to get this best experience. So even in person, we've got to design better. And I've got so much on that. But for online, if you design right, if people are going to not just have a conversation with each other, but they're going to have some serendipity, which people say you can't do online, but you can do it online. And the experience then they come away with is I actually met somebody. I mean, even if you just meet one or two people at a networking event online, it will feel awesome because you didn't have all that stress of having to walk around by yourself with a cocktail. Like, trying to figure out where to stand and stand you know, near the exit and then leave. So I just, I think that there's such potential, but I've also oh, had yeah. clients who, when they first talk to me, they want to keep everyone muted and turn off chat and, you know, just, re- just like, they're so scared and they want to limit, 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 limit. And I'm like, so when you have in-person events at your firm, do you give everyone paper bags, their heads? <laughs> like, you know, what do you do? And I, they're scared. And I think this is where a really strong understanding of the event flow and having a strong facilitator is necessary. Because just like in person, you hand the people the mic at the end and you say any questions and like some Bob gets up and starts telling a story and you're like, how do I get that microphone away from? <laughs> Same thing can happen online, but it's actually easier I have found online to get back on track. Oh my God. So Robbie too, you know, what Bobby was saying is that I called it digitally assisted living a long time ago. And this was what Google Glass was supposed to be. And it went horribly wrong. Right. But I do, this is what I want in my setup. If you haven't seen this crazy thing is like, I am watching all these other things because I'm watching all of you. Right. (laughs) What's going on is that this is, does give me the ability. Like when I first met Bobby, she's right. I looked her up on LinkedIn and I said, what's going on with her? And I wanted to see those things. And so I do think that part of virtual is better because you can actually get more information in the context of your conversation available to you. And you only look like you're spacing out a little bit. But, in, in you know, in fact, you're totally engaged. And speaking of being totally engaged, I just want to give a shout out to Peo, Jorge, Echo and Michelle, who are all watching here and chatting some amazing comments about how, like Echo says, how much I love virtual meetings. I just want to echo Echo now. Thanks, Deb. Oh, well, and thank you for, for pre-shouting out the people because I was just about to jump in and do that. So thank you. <laughs> this is what's great about having a bunch of virtual event people because we all get to share this wonderful conversation with the community. And Robbie, you were talking about you know finding those serendipity. One of the reasons that I love doing this format is, yes, you all know each other. I know you all. Well, now. Yay. Um But a lot of the times I bring people together who don't know each other, who need to. And just this morning, someone posted an interview, two of my guests, one interviewed the other one on their show. And that's, you know, joy because it's helping to make those connections. Did you just say you love how awesome I am or do you love how awesome everybody is, John? I feel like it's Texas. Like it should be all y'all and includes all all the people who are watching us too, all y'all. 
Well, and if you're watching, please let us know how much you love virtual meetings or if you have any challenges, let us know and we will we will fix you. Um, and <laughs> or we will offer inspiration. I think volunteering back when everything was IRL, that was really the best way to meet everybody and to test out an event. Is there an equivalent to that in the virtual or we don't need that crutch? What do we think, John? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, well, you were nodding like you were excited <laughs> yeah, to answer the question. I love what Robbie did, right? Robbie, which is like serendipitously or involuntarily volunteering, which is a smart thing to do. And I can't help myself sometimes, which is like you get into a meeting and there's all these things like, you know, let's say somebody's unmuted, right? And then they're talking, they're, they're talking on their phone. Hey, I'm not about, you know, and you're just like, wait a minute, I don't have co-host control. I can't do anything about it. Right. So you got to like chat somebody and saying, Hey, you do me a favor and, and help this out. And so, uh, I, yeah, I volunteer all the time in a meeting. One time, Deborah, I thought this was hilarious is that somebody had, um, I think it was a tarot meeting. Like there was a woman who was doing tarot readings as fun for the event industry and she said that the meeting was really dead. I didn't know this. I jumped in because I only had like 20 minutes to like to hop in. I came in there and I lit up the chat room and it was like on fire by the time I left. And then I'm like, got to go. And she came back later and sent me an email going, thank you so much for dropping into that meeting. And by the way, sometimes too, somebody recently, Deborah, told me, John, I don't like how you chat. <laughs> Because let me tell you, my chat percentage is really high. I actually looked, um, I think I, I clocked 161 chats on the first day of my conference. The next nearest person was like 31, Robbie. <laughs> it was bad. So I understand that. And what I'm saying is, is that as long as I'm in a place where it's wanted and accepted, then I'm happy to volunteer to help try and make that meeting better. So in this sense of volunteering is you're contributing to the chat which anybody can do as long as it's not one of those. And I, I think I asked um, in the Twitter chat last night, what is the most frustrating thing about a virtual meeting? And it's when there is no chat, because that is just such a waste. Talk about wasting your time and energy. It, it, it's like a tree falling in the forest and no one hearing, right? Uh, uh, Robbie, and then then we'll jump down to you. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby, what was I thinking? I'm I'm wondering actually if we're going to say the same thing. But uh, every Friday morning for uh, Innovation Women, I host Innovation Women Speaker Friend Friday, and we have pretty massive chat. It's like anywhere between fifty and seventy people show up on a weekly basis to talk about things all related to public speaking. It's everything from getting paid to speak to how do I promote my book? How do I find speaking engagements? Tons of stuff. And we've settled into this rhythm that everybody puts stuff into the chat. A lot of stuff in the chat. The chat can be 40 or 50 pages long. It's nuts. And it goes so fast that I think a lot of people feel compelled to put their stuff in multiple times. And so it gets even bigger. And you were talking, Deb, about volunteering. We have a couple of people who come to this chat regularly who have fallen into the role of what I call beloved scribe, <laughs> where they take highlights and drop them into the chat, knowing that all these people at the end of this conversation are downloading that file and saving the chat. So that's one way that they are adding value. They're taking little nuggets. They're dropping it into the chat because they know later on people are going to be reading that and looking for kind of what the highlights are. And what a wonderful way to stand out because I know I want to be friends with the person who's taken and who's being the most helpful. Absolutely. Robbie, you've been so patiently waiting. Go. It's all good. These are great comments. <laughs> so I attend uh, Bobby's weekly events. And I think that one way to stand out at a networking event like that is to share resources and chat. Not necessarily always my resources, although that's plenty of what I do. But I hear someone mention a book. I hear someone mention a podcast, a website, a person. I will go find that resource online and put it into chat. And 
it's almost a game that I, I want to be the first person to get the absolute right link in. And, or someone mentions TEDx and I'm like, oh, I've got a whole thing now. And I, now I'm at a point where I have this like copy paste list of resources ready to go for that event and other events. So if someone mentions TEDx, I'm like, here's my tips for getting on TEDx. Here's my TEDx. Here's like a resource for someone I know, like, and, and you know, book launches, whatever it is. But you don't have to have your own resources to be that person. You could be the person who just captures the highlights, as was mentioned. You could capture just the the links and resources. But I think the the sort of advantage that those of us who know Zoom have is that I'm often back channel driving. I mean, it's a little like getting in a cab and having really specific how you want the driver to drive somewhere. Like you're like, oh, I just don't have the wheel right now. So sometimes I'll get on and I'm like. Hey, you know, I'll, I'll private message someone like, here's how you might facilitate this, or you might want to do this when you come back, like, or, you know, here's how you mute everyone. One time I was on a webinar and I happened to know the co-host who was moderating and someone had accidentally drawn a red line, an annotation line down the middle of the slides, <laughs> totally by accident. It was not meant to be, I mean, clearly someone was poking around they had not locked down their settings. Well, the chat started to talk about it. <laughs> like, is this on purpose? Should we be noticing this? Like, th so there's this like distracting chat happening while this woman is delivering this beautiful conversation. And I wrote my friend who was the co-host and I walked her through how to remove, how to delete that, you know? And like, I'll, I'll also, if it's a new um, event that I'm attending, that's a networking event, I'll open an email and start noting all the things I would tweak. Cause it's really kind of a list of pet peeves. That's my whole business. And then I'll stay after a few minutes, write it into a long email and be like, take it or leave it. This is for you. I've gotten, I would say 90 out of a hundred times. I'm not sure if I've actually done it a hundred times yet. I've gotten a really warm response because I'm going to, they can pass it to their team. Their team gets better. I'm, and it's something I get paid to do, but I'm going to give it for free. You know why? I can't stand when it's not done well. And I won't go back to the event. I'll go check it out the second time. I'll see how they do. I'll check it out a third time. Things are getting better. I will keep going. I'll keep supporting. But if you ignore me when I tell you that seven people with three questions for 15 minutes is a bad idea with no countdown clock, I'm going to stop going. <laughs> but with your feet, Robbie, I just got to add on to your driving analogy. I just recently took a Tesla Uber and I couldn't believe this driver. This driver was one of those. Whoop! You know what I'm talking about? I've never seen any Tesla driver so bad where it was like they were accelerating. And what happens in the Tesla is when you come off the gas, it starts braking because it's regenerative braking. And so it's the same as hitting the brakes. And I was like ready to Robbie, like, look, can I, can I, can I help you, please? Can I give you a way that you're going to get more, even more five-star reviews? I'll just, one tip, just, just hold the gas. I love that. I love it so much. I I do. And I find this in like, so my superpower is pulling people's mission and mottos when I'm talking to them, you know, figuring, because you can't get what you want unless you know what that is. And somebody will go at me for like, like three paragraphs. So like four or five minutes about what they do. And I'm like, oh, so you do this. Yeah, I do. How'd you get that? So I think part of being in the world of communication is we do have that skill set and we want to help. We want to help make people better. I am not even quite sure where I drew the line from what you're talking about to that. I just had to share it because it's a fun thing. Um, I, wanna... I would just want to know, Deborah, was it a red line? No. It's a line of shiny gold stars from point A to point B. Well it is played, me. John. Well played. Thank you. Thank you. That, Thank you. that was a beautiful callback. I thank yeah. you. Um, I want to, I want to call out Larry Vaughn and Michelle, who's agreeing with Larry, who says I'm old school. I love the face-to-face -face conference. That being said, I feel Virgil is a great fit or compliment of a handshake conference. This is why I started and Bobby knows more about this because at the Friday speaker friends, I'm always talking about my pre-event planning workshops because when you go into an event with a plan, whether it's for networking or gaining knowledge, you are much more likely to get information from it. Um, and I did, uh, at the beginning of John's Engaging Virtual Meeting Conference, I did the happy hour and it was all about, okay, it's a great event, 
but it's five days of things. And one of the things I did is I'm like, you have to pick your favorites. And I was at the Saturday because that was the only day I could go, but no guilt missing Tuesday Tuesday through Friday, but knowing that this is going to be the participation, that'll take a lot of the stress out and help you be more effective and not, oh, I need to log in. Oh, I need to this. No, you need to be present when you can be present. So this is leading into a question. What do, because we're talking a lot about how to be a better host, what are things guests can do to really be a better guest at a virtual meeting? Robbie? If at all possible, turn on their cameras. If at all possible, don't sit backlit. Uh, if at all possible, don't have the camera tilted to the ceiling. Um, so d- minor things. And I have to say that part of this is that we might call on you or you might ask a question. We want to bring you up on stage. And since we've worked hard to make the speakers all look really good, it's by comparison going to make you even worse off in, in what your, your frame looks or how your camera looks, your lighting looks. So I think that if you want an engaged presenter, being an engaged audience is really helpful. Now, you can't always have your cameras on. Totally get that. Then writing in chat, commenting, um, doing the things Bobby talked about earlier, using emojis, using American Sign Language applause, right? Like just appreciating what's going on, following directions, actually doing the <laughs> doing the uh, the workshop or whatever they're doing. Like, you know, when you come back, like ha- offering to uh, to raise your hand to give feedback about the breakout room or, you know, when... I think that it's so hard because as a facilitator, we're like, please, can someone raise your hand? We'd love to get an example, you know, like be the person who's like, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to come back and I'm going to have a story to share. Like just commit. That is a beautiful way to give back to the person who spent time preparing this presentation. Can I tell you when I did my TEDx, the people who were commenting and asking questions, I think there were a half a dozen of us we were the only ones chatting throughout the entire one, but at least we were there for each other. So you want to be someone's hero, ask questions and engage. Yes, Robbie. My wife is really into reading and she has joined lots and lots of book clubs. And these book clubs have authors who come to their book clubs, all virtual. And she goes and she's usually the only person asking multiple questions with her camera on. There could be 30, 40 people in a room and maybe six have their cameras on and she's the one filling the chat with questions. So, so it's like that if she wasn't there, the entire experience of the event would be different for the people who did show up and the author wouldn't feel as appreciated and the host would be like trying to make something happen. So, you know, that role, she gets off and she always comes to me. She's like, I can't, it happened again. Like, she's like, I got to ask four questions. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, like, she's like, no one else is asking questions. No one else has their cameras on. And, you know, she's well lit and she's like sitting there. You know, it's like, I think people are washing dishes while they're listening, you know? And like, it's really hard when you're trying to put together a great event when that's majority of your guests. I know that, or your, your participants. I know it happens sometimes, but her role will have an impact in that way. And she's not speaking, but she's having an impact. I'll follow on Robbie's comments here because I've gotten a chance to facilitate a lot of programs that have even high-level entrepreneurs. These are all business owners, Robbie. These are like people who are well-accomplished in their lifetime, have all this stuff going on, and there was still no question. We're talking like amazing speakers, right? The Damon John, right? Uh, Patrick Lencioni, not, not one of his friends and not one of his trainers himself. And they come out with none of these questions. Although, Deborah, I'll share with you, I got a chance to ask a question in a virtual program. And the guy was, you know, the guy who's in the white vest in Apollo 13, who oversaw that whole mission. And I asked him, I said, what's a failure that you had before Apollo 13 that helped this team come together? And he goes, oh, wow, no one's ever asked me that question. By the way, people, you want to be engaging? Add this to Robbie's list. Ask awesome questions. Okay. And then I got the answer because this is what you want. This is this guy has his whole history. One version has been told. By the way, the movie's great. You should watch it. And there's a hundred stories this person has that you need to unlock 
with questions. And he told us about this. Apollo 13, remember, this is U.S. space program. He goes, okay, here it was. You know, early on in the program, America was trying to to beat, you know, the space race against the Russians. And so we had a test rocket launch, and he goes, it was a disaster. And one of the top disasters was the telemetry for the rocket. And what happens is, is there are like 18 different stations that, that run the telemetry and send the data back to NASA, and they all were sending the wrong stuff or the other stuff. And he actually said he came into this meeting with the 18 people that was a telecon. This is the funny part, Robbie. It was a telecon, and he had to tell them, he goes, this meeting is a disaster. Right, and we are never going to beat the Russians if you people are like this. And they think he left the call, but left the teleconference open. And the eighteen people seriously worked together because he said the next time they ran the rocket, he got perfect data. That's what you get when you ask awesome questions. Wow, it's awesome. I love that. So I'm much. taking this in a completely different direction. Yes, please. Go All on. right, go. So, being a good guest involves being aware. So I think, yes, there are absolutely the people that sit back, don't engage, are doing the dishes, loading the dishwasher, by the way, and never, and never muting when that happens. So you have to like, you know, push the little lever. If you're loading the dishwasher, shut up. <laughs> Mute. Just, just a little thing there. But I do think that a lot of people are not aware of the amount of time they spend talking. So for example, on the Speaker Friends Friday, we have a 15 second timer for introductions. And we do only as many introductions as we can fit in now until nine o'clock. And then we jump into the conversation. But I do get some people who are not as aware of the amount of time that they're spending on things. You know, we have a one hour slot for these conversations and I'll get somebody who will take, you know, 10 minutes to explain their question. And it's like, okay, this is great. Um, there is a marvelous app called the gender Avenger tally and the gender Avenger tally allows people in the audience to actually track. And this is designed specifically for male-female interaction, the number of women on stage, getting the number of people of color on stage increased. And the tally allows you to also measure share of voice. And I think it's a wonderful way to like get used to the fact that, you know, you want to have as many voices as possible speaking in any kind of virtual event. So if you think about how the GA tally works, I mean, literally it has two buttons, dude and not a dude. <laughs> it's fabulous. But I also think that we need to be aware of how much time we're taking up. If you look at any kind of panel, for example, like there are roundtable discussions with nine, 10 people having a conversation. And that conversation is call it an hour long. That means that each person has like six minutes total that they can be talking. That's not much. And when you get somebody whose introduction takes 10 minutes, the round table is seriously off balance. It's going to fall over. Uh, normally, before I go live, I actually give a reminder and say, you know, there are three of you here. Uh, please just be aware. But you will note, Robbie, Bobby, and John, I didn't have to say that today. <laughs> so that uh, John put in the comment, notice that we're self-moderating time. Yes. Well, it's not just that. speakers. It's right. the audience member, too. Mm -hmm. And um, I did uh, some work several years ago with an organization that does research into communities. And they said the number one measure of how engaged a community is, is the number of questions being asked. If people are not asking questions, and by the way, this kind of rule of thumb uh, is something that you can even use in schools. How engaged are kids in a lesson? How engaged is the audience? 
one of the best mess, um, um, blah, 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 metrics of that is how many questions get asked. And sometimes you have to start people up, right? You know, you have to kind of get them in the habit of chatting. That's one of the reasons that a lot of really good uh, speakers, when they're starting to do a virtual chat, is they will ask the audience something innocuous. Um, one of the speakers that I worked with at one point for my Forbes Business Council group came in and he asked everybody, while we're waiting for this to start, drop something into the chat. Tell us where you're calling in from and give me your favorite breakfast cereal. There was like a fight to the death about um, Raisin Bran Crunch. And that group was so engaged during the presentation. You know, it's something that everybody has an opinion on, even the gluten-free people. Food always leads to people do have very strong opinions. Robbie, you were going to jump in? Well, I think this is also a design piece that if you're creating a presentation and it's most of what you're trying to do is convey content, if you build in opportunities for people to pause, reflect, pose questions in chat, even if you're not going to answer them right away, or to even say, like, capture your best takeaway from the last session, the last segment, drop that in chat. We'll save, we'll all save the chat later and really get the, the best nuggets. Just, you don't have to wait the full minute that they're doing it, but just con- even mentioning that, because I've noticed that there are some people who take copious notes and that's kind of useless because at some point there's like no action plan, just like five pages of notes. And then there are people like me who just sit and listen and, but I'm not taking notes. I'm also not getting an action plan. So giving people a reason to pause and like highlight their best next step, or even ask them like, okay, at the end of the event, like put in chat, like what is the next step towards the thing you're trying to achieve? Like put it in there. Let's all have some public accountability, right? Call on a few people to share a little bit more about it. I just think that building some that of that in and don't just assuming doesn't have to be necessarily, um, you know, asking people to write the word yes in chat <laughs> or, or that kind of thing. It could be like them writing real content uh, that could be engaging. And then, of course, there's tools like the yes, no nonverbal feedback that I don't think enough people are using effectively because I see them, you know, getting people to write things in chat. But you can do a quick tally and get a sense of anything on the fly without having to have a poll created in advance and anybody can use it. So I just, I feel like there's some of that is just the intentionality of how we design the session flow. I got to add on though, Deborah, if you can add, I, this is pet peeve number one, <laughs> pet peeve number one exists with us. I know Robbie loves his pet peeves. Here's mine. Hey, let's just wait a few minutes now for <laughs> the other people to log on. Don't do that. Oh, my gosh. Go I, I have to second or and or third that one. Oh my gosh. One of the platforms that we use has a built-in delay. And no matter how many times I tell people, don't stop and wait, there's always somebody that says, and I'll wait while you put things in the answer. I'm like, they're not going to hear this for another 30 seconds. Oh, that's even worse. It's awful. Wow. Right. The inverse, Deborah, for that is provide content or do something because it's telling all the people who are on time for the program you worked so hard for to tell them that you don't value their time. So stop doing that and instead add value. For those of you who logged in er early, let me give you a secret. Right. Just something like that. And you can engage like this. For those who are here early, let's do a little early engagement. and, and Bonus network. stuff. Yeah. Say the word bonus. Bonus. Yes, Bobby. Yes. Okay, pet peeve over. Oh, you know we can do like two hours. On pet peeves, just alone. On pet peeves. That's basically my entire business. Bring us, bring us back. Bring us back. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, but before John beautifully interrupted with his pet peeve, what Robbie did was he led into goals. So let's let's rewind and go back to that because I would love for you all to share um, a goal, something people could do today, tomorrow, whenever. Okay, today, tomorrow, at the next event to really get the most out of their virtual meetings. 
And Robbie, since you inadvertently transitioned us before John threw us off track, I warned you we'd go off the rails, but in the best possible way. Do I not know my people? Yay. Goal, Robbie? What goal would you like to gift? I, to I want people to have all their settings figured out. Back in the times of travel and going in person to events, if you were a speaker and you came into Marriott and you told the audience, I was planning to have slides, but I forgot to request a projector. No one would think you were a professional. I mean, that's a total rookie move. Similarly, in the beginning of the pandemic, you can say, oh, we were going to do breakout rooms, but they're not enabled. Well, last time this happened, we had to leave and come back. And I'm like, the last time you didn't figure out a new. So here's the thing. A lot of times we're using someone else's Zoom account. And just like you'd want to have an AV rider if you were to go in person, maybe you want a lapel Nike, maybe you want to have a whiteboard. You need to have a checklist of all the settings that you want. Now, I will tell you this. If you provide someone a checklist, they'll probably say, can we just use your account? And I always say, yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't have to worry about whether you've done all these things. So I provide a Zoom settings checklist and a little over 30 Zoom strategy videos at RobbieSamuels.com forward slash videos. Well, I will put that in the chat for sure, uh, in the recap. So if you go to the devmethod.com slash blog, you will get the recap, some of the highlights and these links, including this wonderful checklist. So fantastic. So let me ask you though, is that a goal for, um, for speakers or is it a goal for attendees? Because I kind of like it for both, right? What Mostly, think? I think I'm speaking to anyone who hosts or speaks online that, I mean, getting to be 5% better every time we do that is is really the goal. But one way you can jump up a notch is to go through the settings and, I mean, discover that you can have captions enabled for free, which makes your event more accessible. And I, I maybe gets some notes to your clients who want to have quick recap notes, not watch the entire hour call again. Like, there, there's all these features. There's advanced polling now, you know, that you can have people write their answers or, you know, choose uh, priority one, two, or three from 10 different options. There's just so many cool features built into Zoom that are easier for people to navigate that if you're designing something and you're not aware that that's available, that's a shame. I feel like it's like missing tools in the toolbox that's been growing over the last two years, but you just, you just never bothered to look and you stopped around June 2020, and you've been working with just what you had. I mean, I can get pretty far with a screwdriver and a hammer, but you know, that's, there's way more than that. Awesome. And thank you, Paya, for putting the link in the chat as well, because my chat, I think, only goes, um, only went to Facebook. So thank you for, for filling in the Slack there. Bobby, what goal do you want to gift? I am a huge fan, obviously, of public speaking. I really? Want, yes. I think public speaking is, uh, you know, bigger, better, faster, stronger in terms of serving you up and building a foundation of your thought leadership. So number one goal is get comfortable with public speaking. Whether that is, like Robbie says, getting comfortable with the settings on virtual events on Zoom and the tools that we're using, getting comfortable with yourself as a public speaker, like pulling out the stops, like making it interesting. You are not just sitting in a chair. Maybe you need to invest in a stand-up desk so you have the energy and bring it to it. Just get comfortable with it. And bonus goal if you're in the audience and you're not yet on that stage, you notice I said the word yet. If you're not yet on the stage, you can take one little step towards getting comfortable with public speaking and asking a question. Because if you think about it, asking a question from the audience is public speaking. You're speaking to the same audience that the speakers on the big stage are speaking to. So you have accomplished your first step. I love that. And can I add like a third bonus goal from that? The other thing that's public speaking is this. Get on a podcast. Yes. Get on a video show. Do 
a little something that's maybe a little or a lot out of your comfort zone to get you closer to your destination on your speaker journey. So Absolutely. Public speaking doesn't have to be one person by themselves on a physical stage. There are so many different kinds of public speaking. Yes. I I think we may have to do like a a um <laughs> a part 2 and really dive into the speaking. I'm sure you all will come back, won't you? No pressure. Total pressure. Everybody's nodding for those watching this as the podcast. It's on my goal list, Deb. Yay! Okay, John. Oh, and before before you give your goal, John, I have to tell you, or I have to tell the audience, Bobby is actually the reason we are friends. Because Bobby put in the Innovation Women's Facebook group that you just interviewed her, and you were looking to meet new people. And I said, me, 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 me. And then the next day, I went to an event, complete spur of the moment, and you were there. Boom. It's one of my favorite stories. And it's so much shorter than a lot of my stories. So I had to just (laughs) wedge it in there. It's a good wedge. Yes. So thank you, Bobby. John, what's your goal for the people? For the people. Uh, one is this. Uh, I put in all the chats uh, a link to the first three chapters of my book. Nice. That's a that's a bonus. Bobby okay. told me to say that. And, uh, you know, the one of the key principles in the book is engage. And, you know, going back to the point we were making about engage, you know, to add on to Robbie's pieces is that engage the way that works for you. Whatever that is, right? If it is camera off, but chatting, right? If it is, you know, uh, by audio, whatever it is, but at least if you signal that you're engaging, that's really the key. I want the, you know, one of my goals in in life is that the virtual meeting is different because you're there, right? I hope the people here who are in chat, like Echo with his big heart, thank you so much, you know, like understand that this meeting is different because you've been chatting with us, right? We we actually Bobby picked up, uh, who was it? Not not. Uh, Bobby picked up somebody's question, right? Not Michelle's. Larry's. Larry. Yeah. yeah. Bobby picked up Larry's question. And so we made sure to cover hybrid inside of here with that. And so that the best part, too, is that uh, this is my second book. And actually something that I think we, I did better than in my first book is that we put the majority of value in the first three chapters. <laughs> so if you want to read the first three chapters, you'll get like 80% of the value. It'll teach you about Engage. And it also, um, what I love now, too, and what Deb is doing right here with, with her community all the time is to, the importance of psychological safety to have an engaging meeting. There is no way that your people will ever engage with you until they feel safe, that they can say something from their perspective and view. And every time they do, by the way, they're taking a risk. They're taking a big risk. Like, like Bobby was saying, it is a small form of public speaking when you ask the question. Right, because your voice is heard out there, and I got to tell you, it is just as nerve-wracking for me, even after decades of speaking experience. Sometime asking a question in a big audience, and I know I want to get through that fear because, like I said, I get these stories at the end if I ask a really good question. So that's my my bonus and gift and goals for everyone is feel free to read those three chapters, and most importantly, uh, whether you read it or not, do something different, do something better right? Do be 1% better in every virtual meeting. And by the time you hit one year from now, when Deborah celebrates her umpteenth you know, episode of the Deb show, then you'll, you'll be amazed, right? I can't go back, Robbie. It's so hard. I feel like the albums, I can't go back and watch some of my meetings in 2020, even though they were awesome. They are nothing now where they are here. And- I had not yet discovered the touch up my appearance. Oh, <laughs> oh. It was like, oh my goodness, look how old I looked two and a half years ago. Instant, instantaneously, like instant value forever for every meeting going forward ever since you had. I use it. And when I taught people how to taught Innovation Women members how to use the digital lipstick. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just like silence in the room. (laughs) 
Like people were in tears. Oh, wait, like, so Bobby, wait, wait, Bobby. I got to share the best thing that happened in my conference is I think Elizabeth Steele is a speaker and she had a, a session called Zoom Like a Pro. And the tip that everybody remembered is maxi pads. If you are one who sweats on stage when you're speaking, you put a maxi pad under your shirt, stick it to the thing, right? Don't tell anybody, but you'll look great the 60 minutes that you talk online. That was the thing people remembered. That's amazing. Back to you, Deb. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this has been a wonderful conversation. Before we wrap with a final tip, yes, you all get to say two or three more cents worth. Uh, where can people find you? John? Thank you so much. You can find me at engagingvirtualmeetings.com. And I got to tell you, if you're out here and you're passionate around virtual meetings, please go to engagingvirtualmeetings.com slash meet, M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T, M-E-E-T, and schedule a meeting. I just want to meet you people, right? I want to meet those people who are super passionate about it. And by the way, the first tip I got today, I met somebody for the first time. She had reversed all of her books in her bookshelf. I've never seen this before. She reversed all of her books in her bookshelf. She did it to, for two reasons. One is she felt the colors were distracting. And the second was saying, some of those books are personal to me and I didn't want my clients to know what they were. I was like, it looks cool. I've never seen that tip. Would like to share that tip for the first time today. Thanks, Deb. Wow. That's so cool. I think I get confused if all my books were backwards, but go person. She can't Ooh. find it. Oh, actually, I take it back. She can find her books, but she says it's really hard. Sorry. Back to you <laughs> Um, Bobby, where can people find you and where can they learn more about innovation women, which I think is kind of one and the same. Yes. I'm, I'm still like stunned and mouth hanging open over the reverse books on the bookshelf. And how do you find your books? Because I am constantly pulling books off the bookshelf that our innovation women members re uh, write and send to me. So you can find me at innovationwomen.com. And if you are interested in public speaking, getting more visibility, learning more about public speaking, join us. Or if you need speakers, I've got them for you. Amazing. Thank you, Bobby. And Robbie. Oh, I love that. Whoops, wait a minute. That there must be go. your favorite new toy. It's my favorite the, new toy. I have a prop. The Innovation Women Life Preserver. It's an example it's, of an analog tool being used in a virtual space. Yes. So, what Robbie said. Yeah. Love it. So uh, if you want to see uh, me in action and get a taste of what a well-designed, fun, and engaging virtual happy hour is like. I host a free No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour on the first Friday of every month. You can learn more at nomorebadzoom.com. I've been hosting that since March 13th, 2020, weekly until about two and a half years into the pandemic. And uh, robbysamuels.com to just find out how I can support you and your team uh, so that your next event is less stressful and more engaging. Because the last thing we need is more stress. Right? I will say one other thing about this, and this is why I think you know folks like John and I are going to continue to have work in the producer role. The people I uh, that hire me, they want their team to get better at Zoom, and the quality of their like team meetings have gotten better. But they don't want to stay on top of all the changes. Like that's not why they hired that person. It's a full time job to learn Zoom. So. For them, it's actually allowing their team to do what the team's best at, which might be marketing or, you know, nurturing relationships or lining up great speakers or whatever it might be, but to not have the additional stress of having to worry about the day of show. And I think that it's really important for speakers to know their limitations. At what point do you need someone in the room? You know, if it's less than 20 people, you're probably fine. But if it starts to get bigger, you're going to want someone at least moderating chat. If you're doing breakout rooms, you either... There's just a point where I think understanding your own limitations and then figuring out who would be the right person to train, a team member, a VA, an assistant, a volunteer. So just have you some consistency and not stress on that at all. You don't have to hire us, but you can still get a lot from having somebody doing this role a lot better. Well, and it goes back to one of my favorite phrases, which I will repeat again. 
You can't reach your goals on your own. You need your community. You need your resources. And what's the best way to get more community and more resources? Go out networking, engage, expand your tribe. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Bobby Carlton, John Chen, and Robbie Samuels for joining today. Uh, I'm Deborah Eckerling. I am at The Deb Method everywhere. And you can learn more about me uh, at thedebmethod.com. Um, final thought, Bobby. Thanks, Deb, for bringing us all together. It was lovely. Nice to meet your fan base. Thank you for, <laughs> for coming. And, and I have to tell you, my new Innovation Women video is going to be this one because I think there is a ton of value for anyone and everyone. So thank you for, for coming. John, final thought, tip, anything, thing? Do something. Do make something. A, make a goal. Do something. Be awesome. And please share it with us and somebody else. Thank you, Deb. Ooh, be awesome and share it with us. Also in the recap, I will have the links to everybody's LinkedIn. So if you're watching, reach out with a note and connect. And Robbie, final, final thought to you. If you're using a laptop while speaking online or even as a guest and you might be called on, raise it a few uh, inches with some books or boxes so that it's eye level the camera and that then make an effort to actually look at the camera um, as much as possible. And that little thing, which costs no money, is going to dramatically change how people perceive you, even if you don't change your lighting, your background, your microphone. Ooh, I love it. Great ninja tip to, to finish us out. Thank you again, my wonderful panel. And thank you if you are listening or watching. We appreciate you. And we are so thrilled that you chose yourself and your goals and joined us today. So go out, do better, be better. We know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Dev Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.